What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Welcome to Leverage Addicts, the podcast for investors looking to maximize returns through leverage. Join host, seasoned mortgage professional and real estate enthusiast, Blandon Lerm, as we explore property investing strategies and learn how to navigate the market to build new wealth. What would you say were your three most memorable books that you've read on commercial? What, what, what would be your recommendation? Um, probably Jones on property for me. I don't know what about you, Jack. Sir Bob Jones? Yeah. That's a, tough one. That's, a, that's a really tough question, actually. Um, there's a really good one. It's an Australian book. It's um, Rethink Investing. I don't know if, yeah, yeah. That's a really good one. They make it a lot simpler, like for the average mum and dad, you know, what, what it is. And there are some pretty cool deals that they, they show as well in there. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I think the key takeaway on, on as well as reading those books, as Cal touched on, is definitely understanding the lease. And not a lot of those books will go into detail on the commercial lease. So that's why if you're doing the reading, reading the books, understanding commercial property, it's a good idea to touch base with those agents like Cal mentioned, but get copies of those leases and actually start reading those leases because all of those clauses in the 42-page lease or a 100-page lease, you need to understand and then how they impact the property. So I think that's probably the number one uh, key difference to residential and the number one thing I would recommend doing about getting into commercial property. Also valuations. If, you, if you've if got a friend or you know parent or something with some commercial valuations, um, Jack and I are quite nerdy. We like reading commercial valuations because uh, <laughs> <laughs> we like, like to keep up with the market and things. Um, but you learn a lot from reading a commercial valuation. You learn a lot about the property um, you know, we, we always get a council file as well. So the full CD about the property when we're looking at it. And, um, Do you see that changing quite a bit in terms of how they value up a property? Like, the, like, do they look at different things at different times of the market or what is it that changes over time? Well, the cap rates, the market cap rates do, but that's only in relation to, um, you know, what other comparative properties are selling for. So you know, the, the, especially with commercial property, it's all based on comparative market evidence. So you'll see a bit of a pullback in the current market and that's in line with what interest rates are doing. Now that interest rates have gone up, um, sales have, you know, gone backwards a little bit, but not, not nearly as much as the rise in interest rate. So that's quite a common trend in this current market, but it's all based on what people are, are transacting for on similar assets. Is there a rough idea on where, where those cap rates are sitting at, at the moment and different like key industries? I think um, 12 months ago, you were just over 5%. So now now they're sitting around about five and a half, five. Yeah, five, yeah, five and a half to six and then in Auckland and that's industrial. So industrial property in Auckland. Yeah, so I thought what would be also interesting is maybe understand a bit more about your guys or Provincia's investment philosophy and sort of what your strategic vision looks like in the long term. Um, obviously, you guys want to grow a lot bigger and want to scale this. And uh, yeah, perhaps you can share a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so our main, I guess, mantra or philosophy is to buy value add properties and both Jack and I get that a bit from our residential investment days as well, because you want to buy a, um, you know, a tired residential property and flick some paint on it and, um, you know, get a good capital gain. So it's just looking for those kind of do ups and value add, and I, and I think we're one of the only funds that are that are doing that. 
So, um, so what what we look for is some a building um, generally with a tenant already there, and we look for something that's under rented or has a short term lease, and something we can add value to within the short to medium term. So we're giving giving that rent, getting an immediate rental uplift, and therefore a value uplift. So um, and we try we do that with every building we, we buy, um, and and it's kind of um, yes yeah, it's, it's it's quite um, refreshing seeing that where our valuations are going up and quite a few of the other bigger companies' valuations going down. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I uh, I recently was listening to um, Grant Cardone's uh, interview on Bigger Pockets, and uh, it was quite interesting. You know, he was. He was basically talking about how he's always buying like well undervalued, like these massive funds. He's just got so much money that they have to park it somewhere, and they uh, often buy deals that are slightly just overpaying. And um, and right now, like the, the smaller guys that are paying uh, more attention to the deals that they're actually picking up are, are you know winning a lot more. Um, I I wanted to understand a little bit about because say for example a residential developer they might look for a piece of land and they want to like okay work out you know whether or not there's around 25% margin if they sold all those property so you guys talk about value add like is there a specific target that you guys at least try to go for to mitigate your risk um well well the good thing about commercial property is you can get a very long due diligence and um so Jack and I, or Jack will find a property, I'll find a property. We'll both go and look at it, get it under contract. And we, we don't ever go unconditional until we know for sure that a valuer has said, yes, this is a great deal. Um, within X number of months, you can put the rent up to this. It's all, it's, you know, it's very, very mathematical. Um, whereas residential, you're, um, you know, you can take a stab in the dark um, but the market determines the, the price in the end. Um, so resident, uh, commercial properties are valued purely on investment basis. So how long the lease is and how much rent is, rent, rent is coming in. So, um, so, so basically we know pretty much what value we can add um, by getting um, that valuation advice and, and we, we work out how much we have to spend, if any, on, on the building to upgrade it for the tenant. Um, and so we get quotes for that. So we know exactly where we are financially. Um, yeah, so it's, it's just a very mathematical business. Yeah. So I, the interesting thing is because you're talking about mathematical and then also like the first deal was like a mega deal with a 25% margin built in pretty much after you do everything. Um, and obviously, because with this kind of business, you're looking at the cap rate, you can maybe project what, what it looks like potential on the lease that you're getting. Um, would you try to at least go, you know what, if we don't get at least 10% under value or like if we can, you know, get the cap rate and increase the value by 10% or something like that? Is it like a specific number that you're aiming for? Or is it like a trade secret? <laughs> yeah, no, it's not really, really, really a trade secret. Um, 25 is very good. 25 to 30 is really good. Um, if, we, if we can add uh, over 10 within a short time, we're, we're pretty happy. Um, 10, 10 or 15% on, on the rent and the value. Um, we're, we're, we're quite happy with that. Um, keeping up with inflation, you know, that's the main thing. 
I think every property we've got in the portfolio, so we've got a total of 13 now, has a different story behind it on, on, on value add and a different aspect, which is which is really cool. Um, and I think that that is the criteria we're looking for is, is okay, is it going to have some value add? What, what angle is that? Is that capital gain or is that um, rental upside? And we always look, does it add to the cents per share? So that's probably our biggest calculation um, when we're analysing a property is what is the future upside going to be? so that we can add to the share value of the fund, but also what is that going to do to the cents per share, so the cash flow that the investors are receiving. So they're the two metrics we're always looking at. Yeah, I, I got to say, I got to say, though, like, Jack, what, to expand what you were saying, is like the story behind the properties. I remember first time sitting down with you guys, like, like I can tell every single property, you guys went through so much to get it. And um, there's just so much passion in each deal. And I, and I love that about, uh, when I sat down with you guys to talk about it. So, yeah, definitely. I think will you find some of those stories on your YouTube channel that you guys all sort of just released as well. Yes, some of them are there. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, definitely yeah, check that out. Yeah, so we don't don't buy every property we look at. Um, we look at a lot of properties and we get a lot of properties under contract, but there's only a very few that we um, end up buying. Um, probably one in 10 or something like that. Yeah, at least, um, yeah. I'm just curious to know though, like let's say if you like get into the commercial game um, and you're only just aiming to do one deal every two years, right? What sort of time would you allocate to be reading leases? Like, you know, because it seems like that's the most important thing. And then also trying to learn how you can be more creative with those, those leases. Like how much time would you be spending if you're just looking at like one deal every two years, but you want it to be like a decent... 10% below market value deal? It's kind of part of the process. So if you start looking, you may look at 10 properties before you buy one. And each one of those properties you're going to do your due diligence on. So you'll order um, what they call an information pack from the agent. And they'll um, and you've got to make sure you get a separate email address, address because um, once you get on the agent's database, you get an email every five minutes. Um, <laughs> but um, but you, they'll send you all the information on the property, everything that you need to know about that property before you buy it. So it's just really, if you even go through that process, you learn a heck of a lot about commercial property. And um, and, and then, you know, and you get more and more comfortable. And by that time, you, you know, you're ready to buy your, buy your commercial property. Yeah. So yeah. like, let's say typical DD process, what would you say, what would you assign? Like you probably commit some hours Let's say, obviously, you're probably doing a shorter time because you guys are so experienced. But what would be like a newer person like they should maybe commit to? Like how many hours you think for a DD process? They'd have to put hours into based on what you know the experience are with commercial property with leases. So you need they would need to understand that all the clauses in the particular particular lease that they've got in front of them. We're quite an expert with a lot of those clauses and those leases. So, you know, it's quite familiar to us. We read probably anywhere between 20 and 30 leases a week when we're doing due diligence. Yeah. So we know all the differences and we know what to look for. On someone beginning, they'd spend, I, I would say, at least hours just analysing that lease, but they need to understand the impact of every change and the impact of the legal impact of the wording of the different clauses. So that's where, again, I would recommend the most time is spent um, undergoing due diligence. So once you can get that down, then the rest is investigating the building, the council file, 
the uh, initial earthquake procedure, that's quite a big one, the insurance policies, um, and then what the growth is. So understanding a particular location in a particular market. So that could be industrial property that's based in East Tamaki and knowing what particular properties are selling for and what the rent per square meter is in that particular area. And, the good, you, and you can find a lot online. So if you go to the bigger commercial real estate companies' websites, you can they have a research section so you can jump on that you can see what what the um the rental rates are for that area what the what the yields are um and you know there's a lot of free information out there that you can get through the uh, real estate sites perfect so where do you guys want to take provincia tell us the uh, big big vision where where are we going well we're at 100 million now and um we would like to think that one day we may list but that will be also up to the shareholders and and when you're listing in a, a buoyant market so to but to do that we have to be over 200 million um, to make it economical um, it'd be nice to think one day we'll list and and that's where our shareholders will get the ultimate liquidity and and the ultimate uplift in their um in their um in their shares so um it's yeah so it's that's might yeah might happen in the next period. Won't, won't won't take long it sounds like but um depending on your what, what your shareholders want so my next question here what are some of the benefits of investing in commercial property fund like provincia as opposed to like just buying directly investing directly and trying to manage a property portfolio um, themselves yep so um with the fund everything's taken care of so we, we designed the fund so it's actually very close to direct ownership um, and really the only thing you can't do is use the properties as your personal security but you pretty much get all the benefits that you would get from a, a normal property so you get your, your cash flow and you get a share of the capital gain so that's the way we've designed it and everything's managed all the finances are done and investors just get their their, their, their dividends and their gain in their, in their share price um, but the yeah, the, the, I guess the downside is possibly liquidity um, because we're a relatively small fund, um, and and with with your own commercial property, you you do can have a bit more control, so you can use your own commercial property as security um, for for more buying more property or buying a residential or another commercial property. Um, yeah, so it's. Um, and you also with with your own property you're limited to that property and that tenant so and with a fund you're you know you've got we've got multiple tenants so it's probably less riskier yeah and you're giving away like a lot of that uh initial equity gain as well like if you're doing an undervalued deal so basically you're like you're their property finder if they're working with you right if if they come into your fund that that's correct and um plus that plus the investors get exposure to much bigger commercial properties and um yeah it's just more sort of horsepower rather than owning a um you know the 20 or 30 meter shed or a garage um, would you expand on a, a little bit more like um what would be the different risk uh levels looking at a bigger commercial versus a small one um it's just um so quite often we have multi-tenanted buildings, and um, and with with the um, there's there's more more um, 
yeah, so, so the, the idea of the fund is to spread your risk through through multiple tenants and multiple buildings. And, um, and plus having that exposure to a, a bigger property um, rather than a, a small small shed. We get, and and we, we, our fund invests in properties that are five to 10 mil. So that, that's the range we invest in. And we get really good um, professional tenants as well. So that's just to expand on that. We don't get small, um, you know, tradie type tenants, not to say they're bad, they're some are really, really good, but you just get that exposure to that um, next level of the type of tenure we've got. And they generally sign long-term leases. So there can be substantial upside um, in the type of buildings that we're in that five to 10 mil range. And yeah. And then that's passed and reflected in the valuations and passed on to our investors. So that's another big key point of difference, as opposed to someone maybe without as much firepower and can't go to that level. And and, and the biggest thing is that the yields are, are better um, with the bigger properties, because with the smaller properties you're getting a lot of competition. So the pure competition of people um, wanting to buy, let's say, a five hundred to a million dollar property or even up to two million. There's a lot of people wanting to buy, and so that they, because of the competition, they they're prepared to um, pay more. So that's um, and the and the rental income is obviously fixed, so the yields are dropping. So it's it's having a bigger building generally, you get a much better yield and return. And we've we've got some substantial tax advantages as well. So our fund is a portfolio investment entity, so a pie fund. So a lot of, we get, um, we can write off a lot of our taxes um, at, on the dividends that the investors receive. So what was the current dividend that just went out? The um, the tax. Yeah. So so what what happens is that um, with commercial property you can claim depreciation now. Um, so that obviously comes off um, as a tax deduction. So because Jack was saying because we're a pie fund, the investors. They, they take advantage of that because they're, they're shareholders and, and um, so quite quite often if we have enough depreciation they're not actually paying um, tax on that on that dividend which is which is a big advantage so perhaps um, just to expand on that like because with a residential property like the only depreciation you can claim is the chattels and that just comes down as a tax deductible expense. Um, but in a commercial property, what sort of things are you claiming as depreciation? Yeah, so um, originally when we first went into the fund, it was just chattels, wasn't it, Jack? Correct, yeah. Yeah, and, and just recently they've changed it back to the building. So um, we suddenly got all these buildings which we can depreciate. Um, so that's, you know, that's a lot of, lot of, de lot of depreciation. Um, it was two years ago. It was around the start of COVID, I think. Um, no one knows why, but but it was a great thing for our investors. Jacinta secretly have a lot of commercial buildings and don't like residential investors. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another big advantage to uh, for us as well, because the investors get their tax done. We we. Pay, pay the tax and calculate the tax on the dividends. So when our investors get their dividend statements, they've got it all calculated for them or, and depreciated on the dividend that they receive. And if they do pay tax, we, we pay all their tax at their prescribed investor rate, which is their PIR. So the other question is because in the States, right, if you claim depreciation, then obviously you have to pay tax up on the sale of the property. 
um, what happens in a commercial situation where you're claiming depreciation in the building? Like, let's say, you know, you have to recycle some of the properties like in the future. What happens to like the tax? Because we're a long-term fund, um, we don't have a stated time we will finish where we finish so we're, we're there for long-term capital gain so if, if we're doing what they call portfolio adjustments say selling one property to buy another one there's no tax implications um, because the capital gains being put back into the fund and it's being basically recycled to buy other properties um, whereas as you know if you're a developer so you're buying to sell um, that's where you get taxed on your capital gains. I always think that's a really, really uh, big loophole in the commercial space. Like it, it all comes down to your intention and it changes your tax um, outcome. But uh, yeah, like uh, it just sounds a bit um, loophole-y. I don't know. I don't know a better way to describe it, but it's a very good loophole for commercial investors. <laughs> um, okay, so perhaps because I do have a couple of clients like we've we've talked about you like I got them a revolving credit they put like 100k in the fund uh, but maybe you can walk us through like how an investor can get involved with a property a fund like uh, Provincia what's the process like um, for you know sort of getting in oh so I do, yeah the, I think the easiest way is to get a, get a hold of us so we've got our website which is um, www www.provincia.co.nz so we've got um, uh, our investment statements on there um, and all the history of the um, fund and a few webinars on there too or and links to listen to so I think the best way would be to go through that and fill out the contact us form or download one of our investment statements so you can understand what we're um, what the product is and what, what the funds about um, and then anyone's got more questions um, and they want to speak with us direct our offices pretty much open always so we're happy to sit down and have a chat to um, any prospective investors that are interested or they can fill out our forms which are also on the website so we make it really easy so if you want to contact us happy to do that if you want to fill the forms out they're all on the website and the investment statement is probably the first part to download and understand and it's just really important to note that um, Provincia is only for wholesale investors so financial markets authority say that um, we're, we're a, because we're a wholesale fund, they have everyone that invests has to qualify. So they have to have experience in investment and and also buying and selling financial products. So, but that's all part of the application and you don't really know until you apply. No worries, like uh, if they have a little bit of equity, like our advice is always to explore uh, residential properties to begin with. Um, but perhaps, you know, once they have a bit more equity, I think, you know, they would qualify as a wholesale investor and also it would make a lot more sense to start exploring opportunities that's going to have a bit more cash flow as well. So now that's really good. But definitely, I think for everyone who is listening, uh, you should check out exactly what a wholesale investor is. And um, that's an important thing that you need to know. Um, so finally, I just want to know what are the risks with um, a, a property fund? And um, how do you guys try and mitigate for these risks uh, for the investors? I guess the biggest risk is um, all the tenants leaving and ha you having no income. That's the extreme. <laughs> so you have to invest in good areas. So we're, we're, um, we we invested in Auckland, 
mainly, and we've got one property outside Auckland, still in a good area. So we know that if one if a tenant leaves, we can virtually get another tenant the next day. And Jack, Jack gets himself in trouble sometimes when the one tenant's moving out and the other one's shifting in at the same time, but he's um, got a very good track record of 100% occupancy for, for the last five years. So um, yeah, so that that is, biggest risk is, is the tenant um, or tenants leaving and losing your income. Yeah. What about um, perhaps like interest rate risk? Um, how does how does that factor in in, um, in a fund like uh, Provincia? Yeah. So because we leveraged, we, we, we have that risk. And um, at the moment, our dividend is lower than what it was before because of the high interest rates. So um, we're currently looking at a, at a refinancing um, and looking at um, refinancing options to get that interest rate down. And we're also looking at ways to reduce our LVR with our subsequent um, property purchases. So it's just lowering that interest rate risk while the interest rates are high. Yeah, just to elaborate on that, the last property we purchased, we bought at a substantially lower LVR. That was just uh, December last year. So we, so that's what part of the strategy which we're implementing. Yeah, so that was at 30%? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So trying to lower the uh, amount of lending like that you take on on some of the new deals when the interest rate is higher, and that's going to allow you guys to have a bit more cash flow for the investors. Yeah, and, and like, like everyone, we're hoping that this high interest rate environment is temporary. And then, then of course, as you know, you get the benefit of the leverage when you're out the other side. So we don't want to go to zero LVR. We just you know, keep it keep it at a good level. No, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and, and so generous with a lot of that wisdom. And um, yeah, like I think the audience is gonna find a lot of value in that. And um, hopefully uh, you guys get sort of like more people educated and, and interested in commercial because I, I definitely am. And um, it's something that uh, I'm, I'm uh, hoping I can learn a lot more from you guys as well. Uh, so if you guys need to reach out, obviously, provincia.co.nz. Yeah, until next time, we want to say thank you, Carl and, and Jack, for coming on and uh, dropping those knowledge bomb. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thanks for inviting we'll us along. again next yeah. time. And all I ask for is one thing in this podcast is that if you guys have found value, please share this with one person that's going to benefit from this information. And uh, I'll see you guys next time.